A reading from Matthew. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets, and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. A few days ago, a member of our church gave me an article from our local newspaper. It was written by the Reverend Dr. Barbara Teresa, who's the pastor at the Congregational Church in Grafton. It was a story, a parable really, a parable about a woman named Charlotte who lived in the countryside. Her closest friend was also her neighbor, a woman named Sue, and they'd grown up together, they'd had kids about the same time together, they'd lost their spouses together. Their children had grown up and moved away, and now all Charlotte and Sue had left were their farms. And they had each other. One day they got in this big fight, a fight over a calf, a baby calf. Sue found it on her property and said that it was hers, but but Charlotte said, no way, that calf looks just like one of my cows. It's mine. It belongs to me. Both women were stubborn and and neither wanted to compromise, and and rather than work it out, they just marched away, angry. Stormed back to their farmhouses and slammed the door, and three weeks passed without them talking. One day, Charlotte heard a knock on her door. It was a young man who called himself a traveling carpenter. He was carrying this big wooden toolbox in his hands and he said that he was looking for work and good with his hands and he was willing to do a few simple jobs if she had any. Charlotte said, as a matter of fact, I do. She pointed to Sue's farmhouse in the distance and said to the man, do you see that farmhouse over there? That's my neighbor's house. And you see that creek running between our properties? That creek wasn't there a week ago. My neighbor made that creek just to spite me. So so listen, in my barn, there is wood and posts and hammers and nails and everything you need to build a fence, a big fence, a tall fence all along that creek so that I don't have to look at her house anymore. Can you do that for me? And the carpenter smiled and promised to do a good job, and Charlotte left to run some errands. So the carpenter carried the lumber and his tools down from the barn to the creek and started to work. He spent all day measuring and hammering and sawing until finally 
Finally, he was finished. And not much later, Charlotte came home, and when she saw what the man had built, she just sat there in silence. It wasn't a fence. It was a bridge with solid footing and sturdy rails that reached from one side of the creek to the other. It reached from one property to the other. It reached from one person to the other. Listen, I know that this is a little cheesy, but, but I like this story. Because as humans, we love building walls between people. We love putting up boundaries between folks, drawing lines, putting people on one side or the other. But that's, but that's not the way that God is. God builds bridges. And I'll admit, it's hard to see Jesus building any bridges in this gospel reading we heard from Matthew this morning. I mean, you heard the parable. It's confusing and it's difficult to understand. This is the third week in a row that Jesus is arguing with the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, and each time the message has essentially been the same. God gave you an invitation You had a responsibility to live according to God's way, and you haven't. So now God is inviting other people into the kingdom, other people to God's feast. That's what we have been hearing for weeks now. But this parable that we heard this morning, this parable goes so far beyond that. And to be totally honest with you, it makes me really uncomfortable. I mean, this parable is is cruel and full of violence and, and harsh judgment, especially this version. See, Jesus tells this parable in the Gospel of Luke, too, except, except there it's really different. In Luke, guests are invited, they don't come, and so the king tells his servants, go out into the streets and bring in the poor and maimed and blind and lame Go out into the highways and and the hedges and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. But but here in Matthew, we have guests killing servants and, and the king sending troops to murder people and destroy and burn their city. And when he finds out someone is wearing the wrong clothes, he tells his servants to tie the man up and to throw him into darkness where there's where there's weeping and, and gnashing of teeth. To be honest, I keep searching for ways to explain this passage in a way that makes sense to me, in a way that sounds like Jesus, but I keep coming up short. Historically, the church has understood this parable as an allegory. The king is God, and the original guests are the Jewish religious leaders. The the king's destruction of the city is is the Roman destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in the year 70. And the king's command to invite everyone is the gospel. The spreading of God's love and grace and invitation to, to Gentiles and to people throughout the world. And all that sounds great until we stop to think about it. Until we stop to think about a God who's violent and vindictive. A God who is willing to destroy cities and murder people. I mean, does that sound like the God Jesus told us about? 
And how do we square that image of God with, with Jesus telling us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us? Jesus telling us to not repay violence with violence, always urging us towards nonviolent love. Understanding this parable in this way, it's been used to justify religious violence, especially against Jewish people for centuries. And, and that's evil. So then, then there's the Lutheran way of understanding this passage, which is to focus primarily on the invitations, to focus on the fact that the king is, is generous and invites people to the feast over and over again because that's who God is. And when they reject those invitations, he invites more people. Those Lutherans, you know, we're always looking for grace and good news. But but that kind of interpretation just ignores all the violence and all the things that make this passage so uncomfortable. It's like saying, quick, quick, look over here at all this good stuff and, and ignore those parts. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And that might work for the version that we find in the Gospel of Luke, but it, it's hard to do with this passage from Matthew. And so others have tried to just rethink the whole parable. Maybe the God isn't the king. Maybe Jesus is offering commentary on the violent leaders of his day. Maybe Jesus is, is actually the guy at the party, thrown out for wearing the wrong clothes, rejected and condemned by others. But none of those explanations make much sense, and they ignore the fact that this really is the third parable in a row where Jesus is calling out the religious leaders and telling them that God is inviting other people to his feasts and into the kingdom. Everything I'm telling you, all these explanations, they're all in efforts to try to make this parable say what I want it to say to try to make it say something different because it makes me uncomfortable. There are a lot of passages and parts of the Bible that make us uncomfortable. And this is one of them. And I think the best thing we can do is to face them honestly and to continue to wrestle with them. Not to feel shame or embarrassment, not to explain away or ignore things that make us uncomfortable, but to to struggle with them, to constantly try to gain new meaning and new understanding together because, because that's a work of faith too. And so with that in mind, here's what I do understand about this parable. When it comes to God and being part of God's kingdom, God's feast, everyone is invited. And I know, I know it sounds like I'm just going with the Lutheran cop-out and focusing on the invitations, but I mean, hello. The invitations in this parable matter. The king invited people to come to his feast, not just once, but twice. And when that invitation was rejected, the king invited more people. That's what God does. God invites over and over again, God invites us to, to come and experience love and grace. When we make mistakes, when we mess up, when we hurt ourselves or, or hurt others, God invites us over and over to experience forgiveness and new life. 
As we live each day, God invites us over and over to to live according to the values of Jesus, the way of Jesus. As we search for meaning and purpose, God invites us over and over to know our identity as God's children and to find our lives by losing them in loving service to others. Repeatedly, constantly, incessantly, God offers us invitations. It's up to us how we respond to these invitations, but God keeps offering, and and not just to us, but to everyone. And that's important for us to remember because we are just like Charlotte. We love building walls between people. We love creating boundaries between folks, drawing lines, putting people on one side or the other. We do it all the time. Who's a Democrat and who's a Republican? Who's on our side and who isn't? Who thinks like us and who doesn't, who's worthy of our love and who isn't, who's right and who's wrong. We draw our circles and build our walls all the time and it feels like they are getting smaller and smaller. And for much of its history, the church has read parables like this and spent a lot of time trying to figure out who's in and who's out. Who's going to the feast And who's going to be cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? Who's part of God's kingdom and who isn't? Who's going to heaven and who's going to hell? Who's good? Who's bad? Who's a real Christian and who is not? And this parable tells us that as people of faith, worrying about these things isn't just a waste of time. It's also not our job. Because it's not our feast. It's God's feast. It's God's feast. And if we want to locate ourselves in this parable, we're most like the servants sent out to announce that the king is holding a great feast, an incredible feast. Really, it's like nothing you've ever known, and you're invited. That's our role, to spread the invitation far and wide. Throughout history, the church has chosen to exclude many people, claiming that the invitation didn't belong to them, drawing a line that left some people out. And and some of us have felt that exclusion at times. And I was so proud this past year that our church voted to become a reconciling in Christ congregation so that our LGBTQ neighbors will not feel that exclusion from our church. We don't need to worry about who is in and who is out. We can let God worry about that. When the servants were sent out to invite people to the feast, our passage says they gathered everyone that they found, good and bad, so that the wedding hall was filled with guests. This is God's feast, and this is God's church, and we're not bouncers who decide who's in and who's out We're the servants who do our best to invite everyone to share the good news that Jesus is throwing a feast that feeds our very souls. We're not called to build more walls. This world already has more than enough of them. 
We're called to build bridges wherever and whenever and however we can. Amen.